Lincoln? All right, see, I'm not even going to start until you guys get right. This is the 11 o'clock. This is not the 9 o'clock. Good morning, City Light Lincoln. There we go. All right, now we can have church. All right, amen. So I'm Mo, by the way, if you don't know who I am. I'm one of the pastors here at City Light, and so uh, I'm glad to be here, glad that you're here. It's great to see your faces. Um, So this is kind of crazy. I I still can't quite get over the fact that, like, this is our second gathering, and we've been a church for, like, two minutes. So praise God for that. Like, I've always dreamed of having a big family, and then God's like, here, here's a big family right here. Praise Jesus. So uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to celebrate that in my own heart and try to manage all my expectations on me and that sort of thing. But praise God for his huge blessing that's going on right now in this room. So with that... Uh, We are in our series on our core values or our family values that we have. We have specifically four traits that we uh, that we basically function in. It's uh, down, which is the gospel. God came down up, which is our response to that gospel. It's it's forming our hearts. And then there's in, uh, which is the family of God and then out, which is the mission of God. And so we're we've been working week by week through those core values so that we know Hey, what does it mean to be a city like church? What does it mean to be a church that's uh, saturated with the gospel, that's formed by our, our Lord Jesus Christ? And uh, last week we had the privilege of having uh, Pastor Austin uh, share with us up. And, and so what does that look like for us to love deeply God? Well, part of that is the fact that if we have the loves and love and affection toward God as, as he's given us, then we're going to look a little crazy. Like things are going to be different about us. And then also uh, we, we give God limitless access to our hearts. And so we had the honor to hear that. And up is basically just the inevitable response to God's grace, right? Like that's what we learned last week. And this week I get to talk about, talk about in, uh, which is the family of God. And, and then next week Austin will actually follow this up with out, which is God's family on mission. Uh, Jesus was sent to, to bring about the gospel. And, and we're also sent by God to bring the gospel to others and, and welcome others into the family. And so um, that's our call. And we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But first... This week, City Light, I want to talk to you today about the gospel-formed and gospel-shaped community and what that looks like. Uh, So first, I want you to know that we are that community. We are a gospel-formed community. What what I mean by that is that Jesus, Jesus is the thing that we're about. Like we're, we, we can say that we're about other things, but but the the one thing that we will always stand on here is Jesus. And so in this room, we have people from out south. Lincoln, we have people from out North Lincoln, we have people from out East, West, Waverly of all places, people from Omaha coming into town. Yeah, there was one. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so we have people from all over the place. We have educated people, uneducated people. We have wealthy people, not so wealthy people. Um, And then we have uh, people who vote differently. And then we have, have people who are athletes and people who geek out on like doing computer coding and stuff and just call that fun for some reason. We also have people who eat organic food and people who hate vegetables. Like, we have people all over the spectrum in the world that you can think of, but our family, with all of its differences, has one story, and that story comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, that he saved us, he loves us, has forgiven us, and welcomed us into his family. So although we might disagree on some level over some things, the one thing that we can agree on is that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, and he reigns today. Amen? Amen. So if we have ever wondered at any time, what is the church? Like, if we're in the room, we probably ask that question, right? Like, what's the church? And and so what I want to tell you is that we are the church. Like, 
I just talked about like we can start church. Well, what that means is we can start the gathering is what I was getting at. Because the building is not the church. Uh, the church is not a religion. The church is not an organization necessarily. It's, it's not a people who vote a certain way. It's not a group of people who dress modestly. No, no. The church is a group of people who have experienced and encountered Jesus and his love. That's what the church is. That's who we are. And let me tell you, this redeemed family is actually a gift that has been given to us from God. And so the gospel not only helps us move back into right relationship with our Heavenly Father, but it also means we get adopted into a wonderful spiritual family. So when we talk about that, we don't simply mean just a personal relationship with God, which is a good and God-honoring thing, and we praise Him for it, but we talk about a family that we can belong to as well. So we have people who cheerlead us. We have people that we can rejoice with. We have people we can pray with. We have people we can mourn with. We can have people that we can celebrate with. That's who we are. But here's the thing. A lot of us like the idea of community, but our heart, we typically kind of romance um, the idea of autonomy or, or the idea that I can do it on my own. I'm, I'm my own self-made man or woman. That's the idea we like. That's the idea that we usually popularize. So I don't know, how many of us like movies? Uh, now, how many of us like movies? Let me define guy movies for you real quick, though. That's any movie with a guy with a bunch of guns and a bunch of explosives. That's a guy movie, all right? I don't care about the plot line. I don't care whether or not it's a good story, good acting. If they're blowing stuff up, it's a good guy movie. Okay, so I have some of my favorites. I'm, I, I love movies. And so one of my favorites is Rambo. And Rambo is one of those characters that go in solo. He doesn't need any help. He murders like 59 different countries over the course of like eight different movies. I don't even know how he does it. He, he, half the time he's got a bow and arrow. I don't even understand that. Like he just kills the game. But then you got to die hard. So I'm trying to get younger as I go. So die hard. Another one, Bruce Willis is old, but somehow terroristic activity doesn't bother him. Like, dude goes after it every single time in all five or six of those movies. And then finally, Jason Bourne. Now, if I had a friend, I would choose Jason Bourne because you can go into a gunfight with this dude and he won't have one. It's okay. We still win. Doesn't matter. He is the gun himself. And so, but the common theme throughout all of these people is that they don't need help. They don't need any help from anybody, and we like that idea because here's what we say. It says, many of us have have bought into the lie that says, I can be self-sufficient. I can be the hero of my own story. We only need a little bit of coaching, a little bit of advice, another self-help book, another blog post, another thing just to tweak our life, but I can own it myself. I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone, but City Light, listen up real quick. That's a lie. It's a lie that we believe. God has created you and me for community. That is why you have an inner longing in yourself to be known by people, but also to know other people as well. Like we, we're not designed to do it on our own. This, this gift that God has created is a community, and, and he's given us a family that knows us and that we know them. It's called the church. And if you're here and you've been hiding out in a church crowd for years, there's something I want to tell you. Welcome home. Welcome home because I want this to not be a crowd you hide in, but a community and a family that you belong to. A family that you belong to. Now, after that very long intro that I just gave to you, I want to go into our text just to show you how Jesus actually forms that community. What shapes Jesus' family? And so if you open your Bibles to Acts 2, 
Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse 41. And we get to see how God encounters his people, how God shapes and molds his family. And so here's, I'm going to give you a little context, though, leading up to it. So in this text, in Acts, the book of Acts is simply put like it's the end of Jesus' ministry and the start of the Holy Spirit's ministry. So what you get at the very beginning of the book of Acts is you get Jesus. He's risen from the grave. He's conquered sin and death. And then he's about to ascend into heaven. So he does that. And he leaves 11 silly teenagers. Um, that's, that's putting it nicely. Uh, so his disciples, he leaves 11 disciples, and then he leaves 109 other people that they don't name. And so there's 120 followers of Jesus right here, right now. And then they go into an upper room. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells his people. So the Spirit of God, for the first time in all of history, dwells within man. Praise Jesus for that. And then something very unique happens. So Peter, who just days before like denied Jesus three times. Like a little girl came up to him and he's like, I don't know Jesus. No, 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 no. He does this. An amazing thing happens. He stands before a crowd of tens of thousands of people and preaches the gospel hard. Like he preaches it so much that these people are cut to the heart and want to turn from their sins and trust Jesus for salvation. An instant megachurch happens. 3,000 people, as the text says, get saved. 3,000 people turn their life over to Jesus. The message of the gospel coming down was a new one for them. It was a new message. It wasn't one that they've heard over and over again. It wasn't a message that's preached all over their city. This is a message that's brand new for these people. They don't have churches on every corner. They don't have a culture that's completely accepting of church, of the body of Christ, of following Jesus. They don't have seminaries. They don't have youth groups. They don't have the Iwana Club. It doesn't exist at this point, right? Uh, They don't have massive church buildings all over the place. The one thing they have is this brand new message of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, coming to be the Savior of the world. That message actually does something to them because this bunch of people had a pure and new response to the gospel, and we get to see how that forms and shapes us as a community. We get to see the distinctive of God's family Now, I want you to know something, though. God's original plan was not for a religion. If if you look in the book of Genesis, you have Adam and Eve, right? So God created two people, a man and a woman, happy, no clothes on, and said, be fruitful and multiply, right? Like, that's what he said. He said, make a family, be more people. And that was his idea for us, for humanity. His first idea was, I'm going to make you a family. And then we screwed that up, right? Like we, 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 sin came into the world and it, it completely broke that and destroyed that mold. And so then you have all these other things. But then what God is doing here, though, 2,000 years ago, when he came, he, yes, he saved us for heaven. Absolutely. No question about it. But he also redeemed us as a people to make us a family again. Like he took people from separate places and didn't create a government. He didn't create an institution. He didn't create an organization. He said, no, I'm going to create a messy family. And so when we talk about our distinctives, I want to talk about, let's, let's go with point one. We as a family are a gathered and scattered church. We as a family are a gathered and scattered church. The, the text says, that, says this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were, bring, were, sorry, were being done through the apostles. So that's where it starts. It says they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. You know what that is? That's the Bible. 
They devoted themselves to the Bible, to the teachings of God. They devoted themselves to prayer, to eating. We do a lot of that around here. I don't know if you know that, but if you've been around for even just a little bit of time, we do a lot of eating and to praying together. Like, that's a big deal. That's what's distinct about our family. If you ask any pastor, though, within all four City Light churches, I guarantee you, say, hey, what are you guys about? We're a gathered and we're a scattered church. It's exactly what they say. We lift the name of Jesus high on a Sunday morning. We preach the very words of God on a Sunday morning. And we also sing the praises loud, which you guys were just a minute ago. We praise Jesus loud, but then we scatter. We're a scattered church. And what that means is that we launch out in what we call city groups. Our city groups are a spiritual family. That's, that's what they are. We take the big family and then we multiply into smaller-ish uh, spiritual families all over the city. And so uh, our city groups um, basically are families that are on mission. And so you get the opportunity, if you're a part of a city group, you get the opportunity to process life with other people. How amazing is that? Like you don't have to do things alone. You get to pray with one another. You get other people to pray for you. You get to eat a meal. Again, I'm going to keep talking about that eating thing because we do that, okay? Uh, You get to eat a meal, and then you also get to enjoy a relationship with other people. It's the place we get to experience the family of God in a more tangible way. And the truth of the matter is, that's not something new. That's not a new rhythm for the body of Christ. In fact, it's about 2,000 years old. Look at verse 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together. Hey, that's what we're doing right now. And then it goes on to say, and breaking bread in their homes. That's what we're about. We are gathered on Sunday, but we scatter throughout the week. Another way to put it is we gather on Sunday to hear the word proclaimed, and then we scatter throughout the week to actually apply that word to our lives. This matters. This matters deeply because if you come here every week and hear a good message but never take what God's word says and actually apply it, you're going to be a person who hears but does not obey. Jesus has called us to be a family that gathers to hear the word of God and worship him, but also to scatter throughout the week so that we can talk about him, so that we can be about him, and so that we can fellowship with one another as well. And then there's more. There's more to this family. There's more to this family than just saying, okay, that's a great message, let's move on. These people actually had a hunger for God. They had a a deep, thirsty hunger for God. And so when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, they said, no, I, I devote myself to hearing from God. City Light, we should be a people who hear from God. I want us to be a people who hear from God. And so let me tell you how this usually plays out, though. So I have a 14-year-old son. Love him. He's amazing. Great athlete, good student, walks with Jesus. Like, we do life together. It's fun. I enjoy him. But there's one thing that's frustrating about him, okay? I'm not going to talk bad about you, I promise. Uh, this is every parent's experience. So here's how it goes. We have these rhythms at home where we, I want to coach him. I want to help him be the man that God's designed him to be. So I, 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 I want to help shape and mold his character so that in four years, he's a man, right? Like that's the idea as a father. And so we have something that we say at home that you'll never be who you're not becoming. You'll never be who you're not becoming, which means that everything that you do say and think right now affects later on. And so everything we do at home, we try to think through that process. And so I instruct, and I, I've been coaching him since he was little and, and coaching football teams, and we talk in the car and have these great discipleship meetings, right? But then inevitably what happens is he comes to me and says, you know what, Dad? Coach said you should wrap up when you tackle. Or he'll come and say, you know what? When I catch the ball in the post, I should pivot. Or he'll come and say, you know what? Jesus just rose from the grave. Like, dude, such and such just told me these things. And I'm thinking to myself, boy... 
I done told you that a thousand times. <laughs> like, why you got to hear from somebody else? Why can't you just listen? But I'm here to tell you, though, City Light, here's the thing. Doesn't that sound like a lot like us? Doesn't that sound like us when it comes to God? See, God wants to shape and mold your heart so much so that he wants you in his word, with his people, experiencing his word, obeying his word so he can shape and mold your character. We have so many sound bites that are trying to speak into our life, so many people that are trying to have an influence in our hearts. But God said, I want to be the primary influence in your life. I want to be the primary voice that speaks to your heart. I want to be your love and affection. And so he gives us his word so that we might do that. And then he gives us his people so that we might be encouraged, that we might be strengthened by one another. And a part of that is eating. I told you, I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, so it's funny. So I, let me share something. I was exchanging emails uh, this week with a brother of mine that's in my city group. And uh, he, he, he said something. He said, I've gained like 10 pounds since y'all started this church. And I was like, that's awesome. It's biblical. And he's like, wait a minute, getting fat? Biblical, bro? I was like, no, 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 that's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's biblical and something special when God's family eat together. Like if you look at the whole of scripture, celebration and eating go hand in hand with Jesus. Like all over the Bible, he says, stop and do this in remembrance of me. Eat this food and remember what I've done. Eat this and hang out together. In fact, last week when Pastor Austin preached through Luke, what was Jesus doing? Eating. Like that's, just, that's just what we do as the body of Christ. Something special happens when we dine at the table. And so I think that that's a picture of the gospel, right? Like, that's why we do it. It is a picture of the gospel, and it is, it's an expensive one. So let me be honest with you. If I have people in my house, and they eat all my food, and then they eat all the food in my refrigerator, and then they leave, typically my food's gone. I spend a lot of money... My house is a mess, and I'm left tired. But that's the gospel, is it not? Right? Out of the generosity of God's heart, he came down as Jesus and died for our sins. So he spent himself, he emptied himself out, welcomed us to his table so that we can be family. That's why we do that. Like, yes, it's expensive. Yes, it's costly. But that's how we exemplify the generosity of God is through eating together in that way. In my house, here's how it plays out. This is a great coaching for my family is to have dinner together. Like when we have dinner at the table, coaching happens. So I have a a, a four and a half year old daughter and an almost three year old son. Both of them have learned what it looks like to talk to God from our dinner table. Both of them have learned to just pray, to have honest prayers with God. In fact, my daughter probably is a little bit more faithful than I am at praying because I'll step in the room and say, hey, you're supposed to be sleeping. Good night. And she's like, I'm praying. And so like... (laughs) She is getting it, right? And then my son Trey, my son Trey knows how to lead in prayer. Like special things happen when God's people gather around a dinner table. There is something special that God does. In fact, we have done so many things together where we've prayed for our friends together. We have uh, prayed for the, the, just the, the hardest of situations that some of my friends have gone through together. We've gotten to celebrate together because there's new babies bring, being brought into our family. We get to have really, really good food because my wife has worked hard at that. And it's just a, it's a, it's a supernatural experience for the, us to have. So God does special work when, when his family meets around a dinner table. And the in, interesting thing about that, I think it's designed because, again, I said earlier, we're not meant to do it alone, Right? Like, we're not supposed to do it alone. Jesus, the God of the universe, the guy who spoke life into existence, didn't do it alone. He ran around with 12 dudes 
who at some times were pretty idiotic, but he's, he was faithful to those guys for three and a half years in his ministry. And at times there were 72 of them around him. So he had a, a big family. City Light, if one of our greatest needs is to belong to a family and a community, then city groups, our city groups, is something that we better do really, really well and something that we all should desire to be a part of because that's what they are. One of the most unique opportunities is to see God working in each other's lives. And so even in my city group, I've, I've heard people say, my marriage has been better than it's ever been because I've been a part of this family. We've seen people have babies. I just found out somebody else is pregnant in our group. That's two different ways to make disciples, babies and preaching the gospel. And so that's happening, right? Like it is happening. People are being born. Uh, we've gotten to weep with people because they're having a hard time. We've gotten to celebrate with people because God has come through in a miraculous way. God created a family to belong, not to a crowd to be lost in. He created a family that we can belong in and not a crowd to be lost in. So point one is we as City Light family, we gather and we scatter. Point two, we are in this together. And what I mean by that, let me read here real quick, verse 44 to the end. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so this is an amazing thing, church. This is an amazing thing because this group of people are united. They're united together, they're super generous, and they're considering others above themselves. Being the family that has it all together is actually not the goal. Like coming on, putting a mask on and say, hey, we're good, we don't need any help, is actually not the goal. This is what God did. God has shaped us to be a messy family, a messy people. Consider this. This group of people that we're talking about in the text, they came from all over. They weren't all from Jerusalem. They actually were from different cultures, different socioeconomic backgrounds. They actually had stigmas about each other. Like, they, there were certain people that if you were from Galilee, they were like, eh, not interested. But the thing that they centered on, the thing that brought these people together, 3,000 people who don't know each other into deep relationship instantly was the gospel. Because you can't tell me they all knew each other right away, right? But they went deep right away. Here's, here's, what, it, here's what they knew. They knew that King Jesus had rewritten them a whole new story. King Jesus rewrote their story. He knew that, they knew that King Jesus loved them so much with an affection so much that he invited them into their family and provided a family. You see, his life was much more than just the sacrifice. Like, it created something. It created a family. The gospel compels us to be a messy, transparent, united family. They were together. They were together so much that they had everything in common. So here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean like they lived in this giant commune and they just took everything and divided it equally. That's not what they did. What they did is they said, I'm going to keep a supernatural open hand to my possessions and what I have. And when someone has a need, I'm willing to sell it or get rid of it so that others might not be in need. So like, for instance, we had a brother where we, we posted to say, hey, uh, if you know of anybody that's giving away or, or has a, a, a keyboard, let us know. Well, what, what a brother did, he went out and bought one so that we could have a keyboard here, so that we could worship Jesus in this place. And so that, that's what he's talking about, is the fact that they took their possessions, their time, and their life and said, you know what? Jesus is better. 
He's much better than what I have, as Pastor Austin said last week. And I want you to look at this. Look at this. There's two things that I want to point out here real quick. Number one, how they know who had need. You got 3,000 people in the room. How, they, just, they just met each other. How'd they know? Well, the way that they knew was because somebody told them. Like they authentically gave their lives to each other instantly. It wasn't a thing that they had to wait and like fill it out. But they said, because we know Jesus, because we love Jesus, we can actually push all of our chips in and take the risk of actually getting to know somebody deeply because they love Jesus. You see, when we, when we gather and scatter together, we actually get the opportunity to work into the inner workings of each other's lives. Now, number two, were they told to do this? Were they told to sell their things? No. Actually, the gospel doesn't control you to do these things. In fact, what, what it's saying here is that the gospel compels you to a reckless generosity. Because as we learned last week, Jesus is better. Consider this. I'm standing here, pastor of a church, planting a church, which is great, right? It's a good thing, good God-honoring thing. But I didn't get here myself. I'm not a self-made man. I'm not a person who pulled up his bootstraps and all of a sudden arrived by myself. I'll share a story. So, inevitably, God gives me community around me to make sure I get a leg up, especially when I don't deserve it. So there's a family, uh, the two ladies' names is Ruth and Rose McWilliams. Uh, their family's been in the city for a long time, actually, probably close to 60, 70 years. Uh, they've been around, and maybe even longer. But uh, Ruth was a single mom with two kids, and she uh, called me up one day and said, hey, um, I'm a junior in high school at the time, hey, I want you to go to church with me. And I was like, I don't know why I would do that. Like, that, that doesn't sound interesting. I've I just been out at the party Friday and Saturday night. Waking up early on Sunday does not make sense to me, right? Why would I want to do that? And then she's like, well, let me sweeten the deal. We love you. <laughs> okay, well, that's helpful. Um, I, I don't have any gas money, okay? I'm a broke high school student. I don't have any gas. We'll come pick you up. Let me give you perspective. They go to church over that way, so like 9th and C., they live in southeast Lincoln, and I lived in northeast Lincoln. Okay? And I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I probably should be at home. I got this kid. Uh, I got my sister. They said, that's fine. We'll pick all three of you up, and we'll feed you afterwards. And I'm like, ah, oh, ding, 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 winner. <laughs> all right? Like, that's winning for me, okay? You're going to feed me. I'm a high school kid. I eat a lot at that point. And so this this family, what they did for me, I didn't have anything to offer them. I had nothing to offer them. I did nothing to cater to their bottom line. I wasn't helping myself, so therefore they helped me. No, they said, the gospel compels me to love unashamedly, recklessly, because Jesus loves me and he's better. Let me give you one more. He's the co-lead pastor of uh, City Light Midtown in Omaha. Um, about eight years ago, a uh, dude drove up to Wayne State College where I was at and said, hey, I want you to give a year of your life to ministry. Let me give you a little background. At this time, I barely read my Bible. I went to church about every other week. And yeah, that was about it. Like there was no qualifications for me to join Crew, which is a, a mission organization to share Jesus with anybody. But he stuck his neck out and said, no, 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 I, I, I think this will be good for you. And so I, I kind of flaked on it for about a month. I was like, I'm not going to pray about that. I make money, and he's telling me to go not make money. So that doesn't make any sense to me. 
God wakes me up one morning and says, hey, why haven't you prayed about that yet? Not audibly, but I knew it was him because I was up way too early. And so, so God speaks, says, you, you need to pray about this. I was like, all right, fine. They're not going to let me in anyway unless you do something because, A, I'm not qualified. B, the application was due weeks ago. And then Chris calls me up and says, hey, I, uh, I called up the region and I lied, borrowed, stole, and begged for you to be a part of our team. And so you need to fill out the application in the next 24 hours and I'm going to let you on. That was eight years ago. Amen? People who are compelled by Jesus' gospel do things that don't make sense for others that they don't know. Amen? Because they know that we're a family. City Light, we as a family must be marked not only by a unity in truth and in Jesus, but by a reckless generosity, a posture of generosity. When we talk about city groups, we're not talking about just a group of people who get together and have different ideas, but we're, we're talking about a group of people who are a family, who are near to one another, who love one another because Jesus draws us to himself and draws us to one another. It's a good and God-honoring thing to share your life with each other, even if you don't know each other that well. It's a good and God-honoring thing to actually be real about something. It's not easy for us, but it's good. We don't grow by pretending that everything's okay. We actually grow by authentically sharing our burdens with one another. It's a good and God-honoring thing to give our time and our money toward helping and providing for one another. We are a family. The first church met in homes just like we do. And in fact, they spent their time devoted to essentially our core DNA, the same exact thing, down, up, in, and out. And here's what God did. He did something really special. Verse 47, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people that's in the city, not just the church. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Praise Jesus. Because what happens when the family devotes themselves to the gospel, God adds to that family. God builds that family. When God started to form City Light, this family right here, like five minutes ago when he started, there was like eight people in a room. Like literally, this is March. There's eight people in a room, my wife and I and three other couples. And honestly, we were like just a city group is it. Like we were like, oh yeah, we're going to meet together. We're going to be about the gospel together. We're going to reach parts of the city together. No thinking about church planning except for like one crazy dude who was like, we're going to plant a church. And I'm like, not right now. Not right now, bro. But what happened is God started to stir in other people's heart the vision of being about Jesus. And so people were calling me that I didn't know. Like some of y'all were like, hey, Mo, I heard you were doing something. Who are you? I don't know who you are. People Facebook messaging me, emailing me, dropping by unannounced saying, hey, like I heard you're doing something with City Light. What are you talking about? Like crazy business. So a few months later, God calls me to quit my job and he adds 50 people to that family like that. So then we're like, okay, we better do these city group things. Otherwise, we're just going to be a crowd gathering together. And so we get two city groups. And I'm telling you, like that formed a family and shaped a family for all over. Like for the rest of our, our time here, for the rest of the time that we gather as a family, that, those two city groups will shape it. Because there were people, there's a guy who would call me once a week. And at first I was like, it's kind of annoying. Why does he keep calling me? But the reason why is because he was trying to make sure that I stayed encouraged. That's what he did. He called me every week, 15-minute conversation, no rhyme or reason, no agenda, but the fact that he wanted to make sure that I stayed encouraged. That guy loves me. He cares about me. 
There's another guy who sends me a text inevitably at least once or twice a week and says, hey, I, I got up this morning and I prayed for you, and I hope that your week is going well. I hope that you're staying strong and, and compelled by Jesus to love people. Like inevitably, God grew a family. But then, then we get to today. We get to today, and all of a sudden, God gives 300 people to this family. Over 300. I mean, I don't even know how many people are in the room, but there's a lot of you. And there's a lot in the first gathering as well. And so he's created this family because God, here's what God has done. He is starting to add to our number because we are about him. That's why. We had a, a special morning slash celebratory uh, city group this last Thursday in my city group, in my house. So we've grown over 30 people in our city group, and we have over 20 kids. So like half the kids in City Light Kids, those are ours. They came out of our city group, okay? So, so we're, we've grown so much that we're like, hey, we need to multiply. And that was a mournful experience, right? Like that was a hard thing. Like we had people crying, getting emotional. I made the mistake of making fun of them because I didn't know that they were really crying. But they were crying, and it was hard. And over half of my city group is no longer going to be in my house anymore. Over half of them said, hey, we're going to go with these people. We like them better or whatever that might have been. But I'm, I, at first I was like, wait a minute, what, what happened? Like I thought I was leaving. But anyway, what happened though is that we learned something. Here's what we learned. We learned that the gospel compels us to multiply so that others might be added. The gospel compels us to multiply so others might be added because the reason why they're going there is so that some of you can be a part of the family of the city group that I have at my house. Like, literally, that's why they're going. That's why they're being sent out is so that we can have more people in the family. With over 300 people in our church, in our family, man, we want to make sure that we have deeply rooted intimacy. We want to make sure that we're formed and shaped by the gospel. Well, the primary way we do that is by scattering in city groups throughout the week. And so that's what we learn. Praise God for the gathered and scattered family. When we are all in for Jesus we're not controlled by it, but we're compelled by Jesus. There are those of us in a room, actually, that haven't gone all into that, though. The very first verse in there says they devoted. That means they, they gave themselves over to this because the gospel was compelling. See, our natural posture in Christianity is that we want one foot out and one foot in, right? But the truth of the matter is that's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. That's not Jesus' family. Jesus' family is an all-in family. Jesus' love is so compelling to us that we want not just into heaven, but into his family as well. Amen? So, with that, before Jesus died 2,000 years ago, before he crucified himself for our sins, he created a meal. I told you I was going to talk about eating. He created a meal called communion. And he did that because he wants us to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. He wants to, us to remember that he started his family then and is creating you a new story so that you can be a part of his family now. Like, that's what he did. And so in a moment, we're going to actually partake in communion. The bread and the juice are representative of God's body and his blood that was shed for us. And it's a family thing. This meal is a family thing. What I mean by that is if you haven't actually 
crossed the line, so to speak, and, and went both feet in and said, hey, I trust that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for my salvation, and he's welcomed me into his family. If you haven't done that, I don't want you to come up here. Not because I don't like you, not because I'm trying to be offensive, but because I said it's a family thing, and I wouldn't want you to confess something that's not real. Amen? But if you are that person, here's what I want to do. I want to let you know that this is an opportunity. It is an opportunity for you to think through what's been said today. Think through the fact that like God of the universe has welcomed you into his family. If you would only turn toward him and say, hey, I give my life to you. You can take this opportunity to do that. You can take this opportunity to say, okay, God, right now is the time. Now is the time where I'm going to give my life over to you. If you do that, man, bring your butt up here and take some. I want you to partake with this family because I want to say welcome into the family if you do that. Amen? All right, so in a moment I'm going to pray, but I want to give some instruction first. So we're kind of crowded in here, so I want to make sure we do this well. Everyone come this way and come up. Okay, come to the middle, come up, partake, and then go around the outside to get back to your seat so that we're not like walking over each other or kicking anybody or getting mad over the food because there's enough bread to go around. Amen? Let's pray.